It seems like once a week there's an item in the news about grocery stores, Whole Foods, or another package good that leaves us thinking, this person got paid to write that So that's the inspiration for our new segment, Cornucopia POV. They'll be opinionated, cranky, sometimes raw, but we're looking to do something short to the point and that's going to add value to people that care about food and the politics around food. One last thing, two out of 10 people in the world don't know where their next meal is coming from. Keep it in perspective. Nestle Blue Bottle and the emperor has no clothes. POV starts now. This is Cornucopia. If you were watching the Olympics, you might not have noticed, but there were actually two really fascinating, fun things to watch. Obviously, the athletes, the sports, the competition, but to a geek like me, the commercials were equally fascinating. And I want to talk about two in particular. Diet Coke Twisted Mango, because... New Diet Coke and McDonald's. If you think Twisted Mango, Zesty Blood Orange, Feisty Cherry, and Ginger Lime Diet Coke packed in slim, colorful cans are kind of the same old Madison Avenue you're wrong. This is a stark symbol of something new that's happening. Same thing with that McDonald's ad, the one that featured a kaleidoscope of folks talking sweet, wanting to get sexy again with their old love that they forgot about. That old love was the Big Mac. I can't help but to come back to you. I love you. And only you. Because you have that special sauce. These commercials are a response to a new era, a shifting landscape where the dominance of the old guard is increasingly in question. Because you see, Coke's having trouble selling sodas, McDonald's having trouble selling burgers, and a whole slew of these big, giant brands are losing sales to little upstarts, small brands. Going back to the post-World War II era, this vast array of new chemicals from companies like Monsanto, Dow, and DuPont needed to find new uses, new applications, new ways to keep their corporate profits growing without the war machine. And food became the perfect medium. Frozen dinners, meals in a box. You can argue what they provided in terms of actual benefits to those of us that purchased these products. But what they provided to manufacturers was a huge boost in consolidation of food manufacturing. Now, a lot of this had already started with the advent of railroads and refrigeration, but with the increase in processed foods that relied on those chemicals, the ability for large-scale manufacturing took off. So what we have today is nearly 90 cents out of every dollar spent on food and beverages go to one of 10 companies. That's 90% of all money spent go to one of just 10 companies. General Mills, Heinz Craft, Unilever, Coca-Cola, Nestle, PepsiCo. On the commodity side, it's even worse with less than five companies controlling the vast majority of meat, pork, poultry, corn, soy, sweetener production. Smithfield, ConAgra, JBS, Tyson, Archer Daniels, Midland, 
which used to have the slogan supermarket to the world. This is something that locavores really often miss. They think that buying local means buying produce or poultry from a farm or ranch that's not too far from your home. Take peanut butter, for example. Once upon a time, there were upwards of 40 peanut butter manufacturers. Today, they're just a couple. And, and this goes on and on. You know, that ice cream, that milk, those cookies, your breakfast cereal, those chicken legs, they used to be once largely manufactured or processed by companies close to the stores where these were sold. Not anymore. But recently, this massive consolidation of the food industry has been starting to show some cracks. Cracks like an old wall. Soda, fast food, legacy brands, things like Ritz, Campbell's, Kraft, they've all been losing market share and sales, and these corporate boardrooms are finally starting to adapt. That's what these two commercials were responding to this new landscape where smaller brands little folks are gaining ground finally these sleeping giants have woken up starting to be a little more creative but you know old giants especially those who've been doing nothing don't develop agility don't become innovative overnight there's a lot of incubators startup funds from these big companies but acquisition is still the way they go like scratching an itch it doesn't require insight When corporate giants run out of ideas, and they've been out of ideas for decades, nothing gets their blood flowing and bolsters the company image more than buying a sexy brand, regardless of price. Kashi, Cascadian Farms, Muir Glen, Annie's, Stonyfield, the list is endless. And in September of 2017, we saw one that really left us wondering, man, the emperor really has no clothes. Nestle paid $425 million for a 68% share of San Francisco's Blue Bottle Coffee. A hip, expensive brand only has about 50 stores. While James Freeman, the company founder and merger and acquisition attorneys are licking their chops, it's worth remembering that Clorox took a $250 million write-down quarter of a billion dollars for its $925 million purchase of everybody's favorite lip balm, good old Burt's Bees. Whoopsie, we paid too much. (laughs) Buying innovative brands is the equivalent of that 80-year-old guy with the 20-year-old blonde riding shotgun in his brand new Porsche convertible. Or because two of the CEOs in these giant companies are women, That's at PepsiCo and Campbell's. Maybe it's more like smoking crack on the street corner. Who cares how long the high lasts, right? They can't resist. Now, Campbell's is an exception to this rule. Check out our interview with Mike Movitz about Campbell's because they're really trying to innovate. Unlike that Nestle deal, which although hailed by investors and analysts alike, seems more like drunk shopping the night before a big review at work with your new boss who finally discovered you haven't been doing anything for the last five or 10 years. It really should be an alarm bell, another signal of the iceberg striking the hull of big corporate food. Instead, the attitude is, who cares if we can't make products that people who don't shop by price want to buy? In other words, who cares if we can't make the sexy brands where you can make a fat profit margin? pay 100, 200 million more for a brand and no one will say a word. It's just forward-looking leadership, being daring. 
After all, in this age of oversized Hollywood blockbusters, orange crush idiots in government, Kim Kardashian's ass, or artist Damien Hirst's diamond-encrusted skull, hoopla creates hoopla creates hoopla. Bullshit be damned. Time to rethink things. And time for a bourbon. I'm Matt Levine. Cornucopia Point of View. Thanks for listening. The moon is listening to the nightingale. And while we're lost in dreams. And if you enjoyed this, be sure to check out our pilot, The History of the Supermarket. It's a fascinating look at how trends impacting 19th century grocers are the same ones with us in our Amazon, Whole Foods, Walmart world. I'm Matt Levine. Thanks again.